A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, World Game Changers, and welcome back to this podcast episode, uh, the second one in this, I don't know if you call it a mini-series, between Daniel Gasser from Switzerland. Daniel, without further ado, a very, very warm welcome to you, sir. Hey, Paul. Hey, Christine. Nice to be here again. And Christine Johnson, World Game Changes Director, co-host. I was going to say, actually, not co-host, host, because... Kristen's driving the bus these days and very, very well, I might add. So yet again, without further ado, Kristen, take it away. Well, nice to be back with you, Daniel. Same here, likewise. Well, in the AI and EI space, it's it's um, to pick up from where we left off in our last episode. Uh, we were talking about the possibilities of AI and uh, not letting fear get in the way. And we we're talking about uh, the mental health and uh, what fear does to us. And uh, one of our one of our directors let us know about uh, something I don't know if you're if you know about it. It's called uh, PI, which is kind of like an AI uh, chat. Oh, you know about it. Yeah. Yeah, I had um, I had a little interaction with it. Uh, Corey Warfield, um, a, a great uh, LinkedIn influencer and AI expert, um, yes. did a post about PI, Pi, and he said it's actually a cool thing. It can uh, be there, be uh, emotionally available, and anything. And I read the post, and of course, I liked it, and. Then I asked myself, will I be out of work soon as a coach? And I had a chat with Pi. And it's very well, well made. It's on WhatsApp. It's very easy to dial in. It's all very straightforward. Nice piece of technology, really. And I had a chat with him and with it, sorry. And uh, I asked it, listen, I have some emotional issues. And it was... Uh, asking me the question back, what's your emotional distress? And I was like, I have no emotional distress. I have just some emotional issues. Long pause. And then the answer of Pi was, um, it would be advisable if you talk to an actual human being. <laughs> oh. So I was like, wow. I'm not out of work yet. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's a nice piece of technology. You can have a conversation with it if you feel lonely or something like that. It's really cool. It's a cool little thing. So, And I think for people that are hesitant to step into therapy, I know that that is something that is, carries a stigma. I think we all think, well, there's nothing seriously wrong with me. Why do I need a therapist? And I would argue that the last three years has been quite challenging and people who never thought about therapy are probably are, are definitely the rate of antidepressants and people going to therapy has skyrocketed. 
So, uh, but not everybody is is ready for that step. So if an AI can do something and eventually that AI kicks it up a notch and says, you know what, I'm really not, I've done all, I've taken you all I can here. Um, you really need to talk to an actual human being. <laughs> then, then that's all to the good, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It can only play in my cards as a coach and it, it can play uh, into the cards of everybody because people will realize that we're not yet there uh, to be replaced by AI to come back to the fear of it, right? No, but at the same time, if that AI, uh, it's kind of like training wheels on a bike. If that AI gets them comfortable with asking for help and, and being vulnerable, it's like practicing the computer doesn't have any judgment yet. So it's kind of it's kind of like they they get to test drive. It's it's a test run for actually getting coaching or therapy or whatever is it is they need and and you're not being replaced. But I love the idea that it helps us um, that it integrates with um, actually getting help and seeking help. It's another tool. Absolutely. But it's just that, a tool. Um, I mean, another project involved, which I, I can't really tell about yet because it's too early, but it, it's about translation. So mm -hmm. um, that would be uh, coaches be able to coach people in different languages, which would be, right. I mean, amazing, right? But... Um, the gentleman I'm, I'm discussing this with is, uh, I said to him, listen, uh, we have to test this first because uh, a lot of coaching happens intuitively. A lot of times, I don't know what's going to happen during a coaching session. And I just open my heart and then it's like a channel. So it kind of comes to me. And I'm very often amazed what comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, wow, where is this coming from? And this is actually a, a big part in life coaching. So if that energy um, come through an automated AI translating device, wow, I'm all in. But I have my little doubts that it somehow it, it might lose something, but we will see. Um, and I'll keep you posted. Of course, you will hear if it's a success. If you don't hear anything, it wasn't. <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to that project because it, it's gonna, it could be a huge game changer for every coach on the world in the world. Yeah, it could be. And translation, literally speaking, the language. And I love. There's so much to unpack what you said. First of all, the fact that coaching is intuitive. I mean, yes, you have to listen, but sometimes the uh, you have to have a plan. But sometimes the best the best strategy um, comes the best strategy comes from uh, really really having that that energy. It, the best strategy really really comes from having the energy to uh, connect with someone else and also to uh, 
sense intuitively what they're thinking and feeling. And that some that often um, needs to be organic. Uh, in other words, AI can't do that. So so you really need and it, and a translation app would need to um, would would need to work with that. How does that work? Um, I don't know technically how it works. Um, there just there is another tool that even you can like drag and drop onto your video and it translates in any language. It even simulates the lip movement according to the language. Now, the guy had posted something about this on LinkedIn and it happened, uh, the example he gave happens to be in German and French from English. And I happen to speak fluently both languages. One is my mother tongue and the other is uh, almost my sec second uh, language. So it wasn't adequate, the translation. It wasn't, it was adequately uh, uh, translated on a technical language level, but it wasn't the same thing he said originally. There were some weird words that only a machine can come up with. <laughs> A human being wow. would never translate something like that. But so we're not yet there, but we're, I'm pretty sure we're getting there. I don't know if you guys heard or if we talked about last time that Google actually doesn't understand its own AI completely. So the AI started to speak, quote unquote, in Bengal, which wasn't fed with. So, wow, right? Wow. But still, we will see how that goes. If my intuition still works with the translation tool, I'm going to be one of the first coaches worldwide coaching people in 40 freaking languages. But I'm the first to say yes to that, of course, because I can reach way more people and can help change lives. But we will see. So, again talking about fear of AI, um, if we're, uh, as you hear me speak about these things, um, if we're emotionally balanced and emotionally stable and emotionally managing our things, then there is no reason to be fearful. On the contrary, um, if right. we use it right, it's an amazing tool that never has been here before. Yes, yes, absolutely. It is an amazing tool. And to be able to communicate in multiple languages and translate into multi into multiple languages to reach more people. And it, because when you speak someone's language, that really, or even if you if you've ever had the experience of uh, and I'm sure you have, of traveling somewhere where you don't speak language or you're just learning the language and you attempt to speak language at all. For example, um, when I was in, when I was in Paris, even uh, when I was uh, a teenager, and even when I I explained in my French, um, which wasn't perfect, but they really appreciated, especially since it was August in Paris, and um, a lot of people were not working, but the people that were really appreciated you know, a tourist attempting to communicate in French. And if you've ever been, I've been in Asia where a couple lang uh, 
bit of the language, even to say, please, thank you. What uh, may I please have the bill? It, it just really connects people in a way that um, just for that little moment of connection, how much more powerful could that be in a therapy, in a coaching setting where people think, wow, I'm really being understood because yeah. there's so many cultural barriers. The AI cannot process all the cultural nuances or the nuance of the language or the idioms, but at the very least you can communicate, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, what, on the other hand, what it would take away is the pleasure of learning a language, which is a great, a great practice and great training for our brain. It, it activates special regions in our brains that aren't activated otherwise. So perhaps we're getting more stupid then once more. <laughs> Well, it's a question of um, do we do we want efficiency or sometimes, which is sometimes desirable, or do we really want to make the effort to to learn to learn that language? Because I know that even when uh, even when I blunder in a language, the generally speaking, the people who see that you're trying and they'll try to and they'll try to help you, they may laugh, but they're not laughing at you. They're just they know that it's not your first language. And it's just like, if English is not someone's first language, I always try to, I, I always try to encourage them to speak more, you know, to, to, to continue that because that's how we, that's how we grow. Yes. And I think people will still appreciate if we make an effort of learning their language, it's still another approach getting you closer to the people they appreciate because you make an effort and they try to help you which opens a conversation and which open a whole new set of energy that isn't done by uh by machine translating yeah i remember when i was in for example when i was in japan and um and i was and i don't remember what i was saying but um I think I was buying something and I said, Ohio gazaimas at the at the wrong time, which is which is actually, you know, Japanese for uh good morning. And it, and the guy and the and the guy that's in the shop just laughed. But you know, at least my brain was reaching for something and at least I was saying something, you know, polite in Japanese, which of course I don't know if you've ever been to Japan, but it's a very polite culture. But so it's um yeah, uh, it, it it that kind of thing is moment is, you know, it makes us vulnerable, and um, and we don't like to be vulnerable, but which is why sometimes travel can be one of the one of the ultimate expressions of uh, really stepping outside of our comfort zone. Absolutely, um, being vulnerable is we don't like it, but it's one of our greatest powers, and it's one of our greatest. Um, love creating uh, energy we have um, if you're vulnerable people open up instantly um, if you're closed down and if you're trying to hide your emotions people don't trust you as easy as this so again emotional intelligence is key and being vulnerable means to, to know your emotions which again means to have a certain emotional intelligence. Otherwise, you can't be truly 
vulnerable if you don't know yourself. Absolutely. And um, it's, it, it's just a fairly amazing science fiction is explore of which I'm a big fan explores this uh, YouTube explore this con doesn't science fiction really uh, teach us a lot about what the possibilities of AI and intelligent machines. I'm not talking about Terminator, although that's the one that everybody goes to, Skynet or some of the, some of the others, Blade Runner. Uh, but I'm talking about some of the others where it really pushes the boundaries of what it means to be human, like the Outer Limits or Twilight Zone or Will Smith's iRobot or something like that. Uh, Paul? I, Paul? Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Um, I kind of just want to come in on that vulnerability point. Um, and respectfully, I kind of massively disagree because with, with respect, Kristen, uh, you and I see eye to eye on most things. But on that one, I kind of disagree. And I, and I really kind of embrace what you said, Daniel, about this. I think one of the greatest gifts we've got as humans is vulnerability. But there's this whole thing, particularly, as we know, within the more masculine energy, you know, so easy to coin the phrase big boys don't cry and what have you. But what a gift, what a gift to be vulnerable and to actually go out there to the outside world and say, this is it. This is me. This is what I've got. Because from my experience, and I certainly don't want to generalize here, but there's nothing new on this planet. You know, I, I coined the kind of phrase sex, drugs and rock and roll which is a catch-all phrase for, you know, whatever it is that you think, you know, you're going to tell us about your vulnerability. You know, it's not from a generic approach, but there's nothing new. We've all experienced X or Y or Z to varying degrees. But we kind of build this world around this, this kind of shield around a, a mask around ourselves, don't we? Well, well, I can't say that and I can't be vulnerable about that. And I can't do this and I can't do that. And it's like, for me personally, um, over the years, learning to drop that mask and, and, and be vulnerable, you know, yet again, we're into Brenny Brown territory where she speaks about that, your, your strength, your real strength is your vulnerability. And I just think, why don't we stop playing games and just say to the world, you know what? I actually feel crap today. And that's okay. <laughs> Or, yeah. you know, X or Y or whatever it is. But there's still this conditioning, isn't there? Of, oh, I can't say that. I can't, particularly, as I said, you know, within the, the more masculine energies. Um, so I just wanted to come in on that because I think that is such a massive point. And, you know, as much as, you know, AI is making exponential strides forwards, I would say daily, absolutely daily, but for me, where I have hope for the future, that we won't be overrun by AI, or maybe we will, because Daniel uh, and Kristen, you, we, you know, we both know individuals and collectively that are working towards solutions that should AI take over the world and take all our jobs and, you know, all this fear. Well, there's other things that's being put in place, but that's another time, another place, another conversation. <laughs> um, but for me, one thing, and I've thought about this so much around what, you know, where where will it stop uh, with this exponential? And for me, where I take a lot of comfort is it's all me to a massive bottleneck on this human thing called vulnerability. Because you've already alluded to it, Daniel, with Pi. 
it couldn't give you a definitive answer when you really pushed it. You know, it couldn't give you an answer. And I find that so, so refreshing. So I just wanted to kind of raise that and say, do you know what? I'm going to put a question in for, you know, chat GBT. Um, how, how can I be more vulnerable? Help me and the human race become absolutely total carte blanche vulnerable. I challenge you. I just wanted to say that. Well, and I was just saying about the vulnerability just to tee you up, Paul, because uh, that's something AI can't do, because I know how you are about vulnerability. And I am with you 100 percent because when I because, I, you know, when I was over traveling overseas, part of the joy of, was knowing I was massively out of my comfort zone and uh, and and looking uh, looking silly, which we don't want. We don't want to look like, but you know what? That shopkeeper that I alluded to, the Japan, Japanese shopkeeper, had probably seen a hundred Americans come through, or Swiss, or or Spanish, or or whatever, um, come through, try to speak Japanese, and and bungle it, and they and they just you know smile and laugh because they they recognize that okay, uh, we're all human, um, we're all human, and it's um it's okay to try and fail and it's in our culture at least in the Japanese culture to to make somebody try to feel comfortable and they will believe me that is something they this is a culture that would is definitely would embrace AI if anybody would light years ahead but they would make you feel comfortable 100% because that's that's who they that's who they are and unless you are in that space you never get to experience that you never get to experience Oh, I'm imperfect. And as a matter of fact, the Japanese and their wisdom have a saying about that. Wabi-sabi, the beauty of imperfection. Mm. I think that's how it translates. And I think that speaks to what you were, what you were happening, what you were, um, you both were saying, that there is this beauty in imperfection that I don't think AI will ever match. So, Daniel, just before we hand back to you, then, I just want to, my second question to AI is, how do I cope when I've just been had by a podcast host and set up and teed up? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's another time, another place. Daniel, any thoughts? Um, uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think the more we, you know, the, the thing with the imperfection is that, we we have been trained and uh, uh, tuned into being perfect, but in a way which is impossible because of that imperfection. But if you look at it from another point of view, we are actually perfect because there is nothing imperfect in nature. Nature doesn't produce anything imperfect. There are disabilities. There are exceptions, of course, like anything. But when you're born, you're perfect. There's nothing missing. There's nothing wrong with you. And I say, and I state boldly, that when we're born, we're happy. We aren't born unhappy. That's impossible. We are born happy because we are here as a human being and as a higher consciousness. We have chosen to be here. So the, I think a, a great deal of unhappiness comes from trying to be 
some kind of perfect which is impossible to achieve and that makes us unhappy but to embrace that imperfection quote unquote which isn't actually then we think okay uh, i don't have to be that kind of perfect guy i can just be me and be vulnerable and be stupid and be silly and be happy and be laughing and be having sex and be having whatever and that's life life dude, i i read a sentence which is great the meaning of life is to live period there is nothing else to it than live so if we we get rid of that uh wrong image of perfection and that goes what you say paul with not showing our flaws not showing our vulnerability not showing our feelings not showing any of this especially as men um if we get rid of that because everybody knows it's not true everybody knows we have a saying in swiss german which is um uh, everybody stinks while being in the bathroom there's no human being that doesn't produce any odor while sitting on the throne right nobody and everybody knows that so that image of being perfect is completely stupid and i think obsolete because now we have something that is perfect which is ai so let that be perfect and let that do the perfect stuff so we can be imperfect and we can be human beings and just live and have fun a lot of fun because we don't have to work anymore <laughs> so the moral of that story then you an attempt at you Marie Daniel the moral of that story is if we do our ai work in the bathroom it will also stink as much as we do and it's not <laughs> perfect anymore <laughs> it would simulate some odor maybe perhaps we'll try it we'll try it <laughs> Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, the science fiction tropes, if you will, is that the AI uh, tries to learn to be more more human and understand humanity. Every you you have it from Terminator, Star Trek, everything. Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, just so many Westworld. The AI tries to to simulate human experience and learn from human experience. So it's almost um, interesting that this perfect AI is constantly being challenged to develop its own imperfections because it can already do everything. It can already uh, handle billions of calculations, live for centuries. Uh, do things at the blink of an eye. and But the real interesting part of it in science fiction, Daniel, isn't it? Isn't that the case that it's, um, it's more interesting when the AI is trying to learn something that is outside of its comfort zone, like understanding emotions? Um, maybe. Um, I have, I don't know, but uh, science fiction is one thing. What we have today is another thing. Now, if you're working with the AI tools that we have today, which I'm on another project, because besides being a coach, I also do some other businesses. Um, when you're really good at something, every AI stinks. If you're not good at something, AI can help you. For now, that's 
now, today. And as you said, Paul, it's evolving daily. It comes up with new stuff almost daily. But today, speaking, September 23, um, it stinks. It sucks. And I regularly have fight with it because I say, no, that's not how it's done. I know that. I have 12 years in experience in full stack software development, not you. Yeah, I am the expert, yada, yada, yada. So spit me a solution for that issue. Can't. And we had an issue, uh, a bug, as it's called in the software world. Something didn't run. Something didn't go. And we I spent hours debugging that thing with the help of an AI tool. And at one point I said, so I asked the question, could it be the name which is wrong because you have some reserved, reserved words in the software development that is proper to the language in which you develop your software? And if you use that word for a name, it might, it might crash, but it might also just run, but not smoothly. So I had an intuition and I said to the tool, listen, I'm, I know this is not logic. And I don't real I, I won't lose any time explaining human intuition to you, but I will just rename the thing and see what happens. So I renamed the thing and the bug was gone. And I was like like smiling up to my ears and telling it, hey, that was the case. And so to say today AI still sucks at some things, but tomorrow it won't, because I taught him that it's imperfect. And I taught him as well that a human being is way more than ones and zeros. And I think there's the thought of science fiction of telling the stories of an AI-driven being wanting to become more human, like Data in Star Trek. Big fan, by the way. Um, but I think in reality, things will go differently. But that's maybe a topic of another podcast episode. <laughs> so I want to put a third question to AI. Can, can you produce tunes and, and music and, and you know vocals as well as Mr. Daniel Gasser from Switzerland? Because this man can sing. Because he's going to give us a, a rendition of a song. Daniel, you don't look impressed at that proposition. <laughs> will Will I? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, just, uh, that's yeah. uh, way beyond my pay grade. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Um, you know, listeners all testify. Kristen will certainly testify. That was uh, a bit of Paul's abstract humour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I can sing if you want to lose uh, listeners. It's up to you. It's your podcast. I can sing, but I think you will lose a lot of followers by letting me sing publicly. <laughs> Kristen, I mean, joking aside on that uh, humorous note, um, I mean, you know that um, my my love of music, and particularly ballad music, and, you know, it's not unusual, Daniel, for me to break out on song with, you know, and, and like I said, look what you said earlier on around, you know, um, that coaching approach of that reality of being in the moment. And I've said that to so many people and I've been coaching. 
you know, almost kind of semi-apologetically. I didn't know where that come from, but that's so immersed in the moment and in, in tune with your playing that, as you say, you just trust that you're going to be taken to a place and you're going to be that mirror and respond in a way that you just trust. And obviously that skill gets home with, with, with time. And, and I use that as an example. Love what you said there, Daniel, of, you know, oftentimes, as Kristen will testify, as I've already said, that I'll break out in song for no other reason than it just felt right. Um, it just felt right. You know, what's the meaning of it? I don't know. I don't analyse it to that degree. There is no analysis behind it. It's that pure vulnerability, yet again, of connection with a fellow human being, which, as you know, Daniel, from a coaching perspective, certainly in the earliest stages of, of that journey, until that rapport's there, you know, from my experience, clients can be quite guarded what they put on the table. And so what I've found is this, okay, let me let me try and inspire with vulnerability and, and try and attempting to sing or tell a joke or what have you. I've found particularly singing is a very powerful way to, to bridge gaps. Well, yeah, it might be. Um, in my experience and with my clients, mostly men, they already have a hard time to open up. That's why they're yeah. coming to me. And if I ask them to sing, they might run away. <laughs> yeah. But it, I, I agree with you. I mean, music, singing, dancing, laughing, these are, are, are powerful tools and, and also is, is uh, medicine. I mean, laughing and dancing and singing, this is something we don't have to learn. Look at our kids. They dance and, and jump and, and sing and they just do it. They never learned something like that. So it's it's uh, uh, inertly human, and that make, makes it powerful. But I might actually try this in a, in a session or two with some client. I'll let you know how that went. If I lose client, you have to pay me, but otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll sign the disclaimer before we embark upon that journey, Daniel. <laughs> Kristen, any thoughts about this? I mean, you know, this this whole kind of phenomenon of AI and, and let's bring music into that, because like I say, and I certainly don't want to make this about me personally, but this whole kind of, you know, this method in my madness when I start singing, even though oftentimes it is in the spur of the moment, but I just trust that as part of a process. Any thoughts, Kristen, around this kind of relationship between AI and being in the moment vulnerable? through the medium of music, raising vibration? Because what's music, after all, if it's not vibing? It is vibration. It is energy. It is harmonics. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that they, that they are now doing AI to complete, um, complete certain music, certain music. It seems to me I've read that somewhere or saw a news somewhere, news story somewhere where they are doing AI in terms of to write new songs and things like that. I think, I think they did that for a for one of the songs for the Grammys or, so, or something, and I think that was uh, that is one approach. That's why you have writers in Hollywood striking is that they're worried about the whole. Uh, but I mean, one song, AI generating songs or generating generating ideas for a song. Um, that's not as much of a threat because 
I think that AI doesn't can AI can probably produce great lyrics, great musical notes like Garage Band, and it can probably rhyme Moon and June and things like that. But it, it could produce a perfect, perfect on paper song, and somebody and Taylor Swift could sing it. And but if it didn't move anybody, then not even Taylor Swift could make that. Um, make that happen. Not even Dame Shirley Bassey or the Partridge family or or anybody or Mr. Frank Sinatra, which uh, you and I are both both fans, Paul. Um, nobody could sing that uh, and make it fly if there wasn't some kind of emotion behind it. Just AI generating it is not going to be enough to um, to take away musicians uh, the role of musicians, for example. I think AI can be a great brainstorming tool about music, and I use it as a brainstorming tool in my writing, so I can imagine uh, musicians could use it as a brainstorming tool as well. I think, Daniel, what we've done there uh, by the affable Kristen, we've just had a, I don't know, a veiled invitation for you and I to practice behind closed doors, Nice and safe. We could be the next number global number one in the charts, Daniel. You and I, the I don't know, the um the coaching brothers. That could be we I can see it now in Hollywood. Our name will pin like the coaching brothers. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no, I don't think that's a good business idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next. Don't put your data. But, but the thing with music is it's like uh music, music and mathematics are both universal languages and i mean universal um you could go to an alien planet they would understand math and you could go to an alien planet and they would understand music probably so the thing with music and you know when you when you play an instrument and when you observe a music musician it's that music is it's actually happening through us we're just kind of the tool for music to happen. And that's the magic. And that's the emotion-producing part of music. And that's why, as you say, Christine, I don't think anywhere near um, AI-produced music will touch us as much as human-produced music. But if you look at the techno music, and I don't know you guys uh, in the 90s. I have been to raves and I have had some good, freaking good trips with, with uh, techno music. Of course, with a lot of drugs too, but that's another story. But anyway, um, techno music was set or, or was... Uh, a lot of people said that music is going to die through techno music, which is not the case as we say that, but that music is produced with AI uh, because synthesizers and, and, and uh, what's it called when you uh, samplers and all that stuff that has AI in it already, but it's still produced by humans. And that's what you say, Christine, if Taylor Swift is not putting anything into that and the music is not happening through her, whether it's it's a human being written text or an AI written text, it doesn't get through. 
So I think AI is, is, is great to produce music or to, uh, to compose music, but that imperfection, again, must be in it. They had, I think it was in the early 2000s or even before, uh, they had computers play music. And human beings were walking away. It was like, this is not music. And they didn't understand why, what's happening, until they find the reason, which was it was too perfect. The beat was exactly at a millisecond, as a computer does it. And when you look or when you listen to a human drummer, it's not perfect. And that's why it resonates with us, because we're human beings too. And when you have a computer drum perfectly at the millisecond, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't sound right. So they had to program some kind of random imperfection into that in order to make it resonate with us humans. And that will happen again with AI. Um, these algorithms will learn so fast that they will understand, okay, I have to be imperfect in order to resonate with the human being. But then again, and as I wrote in your book, Paul, um, what if then an AI-driven being evolves so far that it actually becomes sentient and then it actually understands us better and then it actually knows that preserving life and evolving in life is the ultimate goal of life and of nature. So in that perspective, that's why I'm not afraid of AI. So as we start to wrap up then, I mean, let's go right back to the title on this second episode as it was on the first. AI helps us embrace AI. Kristen, if I can come to you in, in kind of, you know, the old elevator, 30 seconds in a lift, give us an answer to that. Will you give us a, give us a steer on that? How AI helps us embrace AI? I think AI helps us not be afraid of AI, of the possibilities. Concerned, yes. Um, curious, yes. Investigative, yes. And uh, trying to use all of our reason and our emotion to understand this, this, but also to embrace the possibilities and realizing that we're most likely not going to be replaced by machines. Daniel, concluding thoughts to you, sir? You won't learn to swim by reading a book about swimming. What a great uh, answer. So play around with AI. Do it, use it, and you will see where it leads you. And you will see if it helps you or not. If it doesn't help you, kick it in the bin. That's it. Wow. On that playful note, listeners, love that quote. On that playful note, let's draw things to an end the way we always do. And this is my voice. This is not AI. This is authentic voice. It's vulnerable. It's raw. It's naked at times. But it's going to sign off the way it always does, it being me, <laughs> by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? <laughs>